Michigan State comes in at number 14 in the first coaches poll of the season. Then also tight ends coach Ted Gilmer, offensive line coach Chris Kapilovic, they speak at practice. And then, of course, we got to open the mailbag. We answer, hey, who's this new director of recruiting for basketball, John Borovich? And then what are the biggest what-if moments in Michigan State history? Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The greatest people in the world. Yes, I'm talking about you, the viewers and listeners of Locked On Spartans. Thank you so much for starting another day with us here at the Locked On Podcast Network. That's right, we're talking your green and white boys five days a week as we lead up to kickoff on September 2nd. And even when that happens, we're still five days a week until, well, the end of basketball season. And even a few months after that, we we try to treat you right here. That's right, because you guys deserve the best, because you are the best. Uh, And also, with that said, as I butter you up, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to this here podcast or YouTube channel any way you take in this show. Much appreciated. And uh, yeah, if you want to lob a few comments in the comment section below, if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to do so. Whatever uh, makes you happy over there. Also, third segment, we will be hitting the mailbag, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Yeah, and we're going to be hitting that third segment, like I said, finding out who the director of basketball recruiting is, what his job's going to entail, and then the biggest what-if moments of Michigan State history. But before that, we got some football chatter to do. Uh, The big college football news in the world today, and this is one of those songbirds of the fall. One of the songbirds that summer's really ending. It's the first preseason poll of the season. Michigan State clocking in at number 14 in the nation uh, per the USA Today coaches poll. Uh, Michigan State, one of four Big Ten teams to enter the top 25 uh, in the conference. Ohio State is number two. Uh, Michigan is number six. Michigan State, like I said, number 14. And Wisconsin is 20. Now, if this was a poll that went beyond 25 teams, Iowa got enough votes to be the 26th ranked team. Penn State got enough votes to be the 27th ranked team, and Minnesota picked up a few votes here, and Purdue, I think, picked up two votes as well. Um, that seems to make sense. Minnesota, Purdue, Iowa, Wisconsin all getting some votes. I, the, the Big Ten West is going to have six teams going 8-4 and four this year, but we're not here to talk about, about the Big Ten West. We're here to talk about our boys in green and white, the Michigan State Spartans. I threw this out on Twitter, just really quick before we started recording, uh... How do you guys like the ranking? Does it seem fit? Is it too high? Is it too low? Or is it just right? And actually, a lot of people agree that it is just right. As I pull up the rankings in front of me, it is a overwhelming consensus that, uh, yeah, you guys think it's just right at number 14 with 711 votes. That's right. That makes that a scientific poll around these parts. Uh, 74% of people said just right. 13.6% of people said it's too high of a ranking, and 11% too low of a ranking. So let's start at the minority and work our way up. Why would people think that this would be too low of a ranking, that they should be in the top 10, perhaps, or higher than that 14th ranking? Well, there's plenty of reason for optimism around these parts, right? I mean, the, the front seven on defense 
will be amongst the best in the conference with all the talent they have, the depth they have in the front seven. The secondary will only improve. They will only improve. And if uh, you don't believe me, if you don't believe Coach Mel Tucker, go listen to yesterday's show with Nick Baumgartner of The Athletic. We broke down the whole defense for the upcoming season. And listen, I don't want to put words in Nick's mouth, but he, he seemed kind of high on Michigan State this year on the defensive side of the ball. Also, okay, the, the offensive side of the ball ain't looking too shabby either. You got Jaden Reed, you have Peyton Thorne. Uh, that's a dynamic connection right there. And also, well, around him, a nice slew of weapons as well. Jarek Brassard, Jalen Berger, Neon, Keon, Coleman, Trey Mosley. I Look, I don't think weapons are going to be the issue for Michigan State this year. And also, let's put some respect on the punting game. That's right. That's right. We return one of the best punters in the nation, Bryce Berenger. Don't think that's going to go unnoticed here on the Lockdown Spartans program. That's right. We, we cover all bases here on this dandy show. I uh, know people that might say that, nah, that 14 is a little too high for our Michigan State Spartans, our reigning Peach Bowl champions who are coming off of a 11-win season. 14 is still too high. Well, okay, there are arguments to be made there. No doubt about it. Um, Kenneth Walker is not coming back. Um, and listen, hey, I get it. There's losing a good player. There's replacing a good player. And then there's losing the player that was the best at his position in the nation. And that's what Kenneth Walker arguably was. Or there's no argument if you're like me, a diehard Michigan State fan that saw him play as much as he did. But yeah, that's going to be... Mighty big shoes to fill. Um, the offensive line depth, obviously a concern this year. Got a lot of young guys behind our starters. Unproven talent. Who's to say if they'll be good or not? But yes, injuries do happen, especially on the offensive line. Especially when you wear a Michigan State uniform, seemingly. Uh, so yeah, the unproven talent behind our starters on offensive line. And also, we just talked punter. For the strengths, how about the new face at the kicker position? That's also another mystery. And then just simply put, playing in the Big Ten East is no picnic. You will get your lumps in the Big Ten East. Now, how many lumps? Hey, maybe it's just one lump that Michigan State got last year against Ohio State. But nonetheless, I mean, listen, Michigan's, yeah, I, we, don't, we don't respect them at all. But hey, they're, they're a good team. Penn State, great roster. Who knows if this is going to be one of the Saturdays James Franklin wants to coach a competent game or not. But hey, they're still a good team. Maryland, spicy this year. And then Rutgers and Maryland. I'm sorry, Rutgers and Indiana also play. So there you have it. Now, for it being just right, which I kind of agree with, I think 14 is just right for uh, this Michigan State team. And it's because of who they're sandwiched between, right? Like, they're sandwiched between a lot of proven teams that are ahead of them. Like, number 13 ranked NC State. Now, you might not think the Wolfpack is some football powerhouse, but really good season last year. And they return some of the most production in the nation to the season next fall. Okay, Oregon, strong team. Oklahoma State, who, uh, yes, they do lose a lot. Of course they do from last year. And same with Baylor, who's also ranked at number 10, but that's your Big 12 championship game matchup right there. Also, the guys behind Michigan State are a lot of question marks. Right, like number 15, USC. Can Lincoln Riley really get the Trojans fired up that soon? I, I don't know. Number 16 is Pitt. 
Okay, Pitt returns some good pieces, but you also lose Jordan Addison, your receiver, and you also lose, oh yeah, the, the quarterback that's worth, what, 53.5 points per game or whatever Pat Narduzzi said? Like, that's replacing a lot. 17, Miami. Okay, can Mario Cristobal turn things around that quickly? Number 18, Texas. They're always a mystery too. But do you know what? I'm just going to take a quick pivot here. Number 18, Texas got a single first place vote in the preseason poll. So that is the end of summer for me. Uh, We have it all right now. We got the preseason coaches poll. And not only that, but we have an insane amount of hype for the Texas Longhorns. Getting a first place vote, it, it might as well be 48 degrees outside. Leaves are red, they're orange. Like that, that is my songbird of the fall, is when Texas starts to get overhyped to oblivion. And here we are. Uh, before diving into next segment, where, where we will go over tight end quotes and snippets from today's media availability, I want to point out uh, a player that I actually missed on the defensive breakdown yesterday. Uh, someone watched on YouTube, I'm sorry I forgot to jot their name down, um, commented that we missed out on Tank Brown. We totally just blew past his name. And hand up, that was a wildly bad miss on my part. That was not deliberate by any means. Uh, because Tank Brown... That's an intriguing player here. So let's talk about him for a hot second. Um, it's it's interesting, too, because I went to go back like, oh, shoot. Well, I meant to include him in the linebacker section or the defensive end section. And that's like, this is what makes this guy actually really fascinating is that I don't know what section he's going to fit into this year. He came from Minnesota, if you remember, as a former four-star recruit. He was a linebacker at Minnesota, even though he didn't see any game action. He was listed as a linebacker. Okay, last year he switches to defensive end. He gets in on third down situations, splits his time between third down pass rushing situations in the seven games he was healthy for, and then special teams as well. Going to this offseason, he's back at being listed a linebacker. So no one's really quite sure what to do with Tank Brown other than the fact that, yes, he does have a solid build. He's got the physical tools. Um, he's going to be like that hybrid stand-up edge rusher position, maybe kind of like what we expect of Brandon Wright this year. On third down, pass rush situation, just get in there and gun towards the quarterback, or maybe kind of what Jacoby Winman might be doing on first down, second down. So he's going to be in that kind of company. I think the stand-up edge guy, but masqueraded as a linebacker. So yeah, Tank Brown, very, very intriguing prospect going into this year. If I can make a comparison to like what his mystique is like, it's kind of like wondering what they're going to do with Harold Joyner on offense, right? Like it's it's a tweener guy, a guy that's got the physical tools, talented, good pedigree, petty pedigree. <laughs> if I get that word out, pedigree coming out of high school, but now they're just trying to find a positional home for him, and you know I'm sure some of it will be on special teams, no doubt. But can he chip in? on defense, on third down. So that'll be another nice uh, addition here for Michigan State as well. So yeah, sorry, I totally forgot about Tank Brown in yesterday's defensive breakdown, but there it is right there. Interesting cat going into this year. So uh, there you have it. And there are some interesting quotes too from the tight end room, the offensive line room. We're going to get to those in a hot second, but first, just got to talk your ear off about LinkedIn. That's right, gang. You, You already know what LinkedIn is. It is one of the best social media platforms out there and the best platform if you're trying to get hired or if you're the one doing the hiring because as you gear up for fall you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders 
and LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. That's right. If it's free, it's for me. So create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's a lot of people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word so that, well, folks on LinkedIn know that you're hiring. Come on. It's simple. And they also have easy tools like screening questions to make it easier to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster, point blank, period. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And as we get into the quotes, the sounds, the happenings at today's media availability, hey, just want to thank you for making Lockdown Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Lockdown Podcast Network. So uh, Mondays, uh, not Mondays with Mel, Mel did not speak with the media today, but uh, we had tight end coach Ted Gilmore and then Coach Cap, the offensive line coach, of course, and then some players too spoke in front of the media. We're talking um, you know, Chris Olari, Matt Charbonneau, Audrey Dahlgren, Stephen Brooks. Um, I'm just naming these fine media folk because, yes, they work hard, but also they're tweeting out a lot of these quotes too. So as I read these quotes, I just want to shout them out as well. So let's get into it. Let's start talking about one of my favorite position groups Going into this year, tight ends. I, I got to say, one of my favorite position groups, I think I got about six favorite position groups going into this year. So that's not really saying a lot, but I am high in the tight ends. And so is Ted Gilmore. Because he starts off the press conference with saying he thinks they're deeper at the position than they've been ever since he's arrived on staff. Um, you know, obviously Tyler Hunt comes back. Malik Carr comes back and says he's, quote, on the verge of being a complete player. Um, yeah, and we'll get to him in a little bit. And the biggest challenge with Daniel Barker is to get him to be quiet. So uh, I love that shout out to Daniel Barker. Seems like a real uh, jovial personality to have in the locker room. Obviously, he's experienced, comes here as a grad transfer. But yeah, seems like a good attitude to have in the locker room around uh, a fairly you know young unit as well, if you add in the rest of the offensive line and uh, receiving core as well. So... Uh, About Daniel Barker, though, uh, Gilmore says that Illinois used Barker in a more of a situational way, but MSU is asking him to do everything. And if you've heard this podcast before, if you've heard me talk about tight ends, you know I'm sky high on Daniel Barker. This is a guy that maybe could have snuck into the third round of the draft last year. So the tools are there. He comes here, and he actually spoke on this himself today with the media. He came here for, quote, the culture. And also says being a Spartan dog resonated with him because real recognizes real. He knew, no disrespect to Champaign, Illinois, but I think he realized that to take the next step in his football career, that might not be with the fight in Illini. We're going to play with the big boys up at Michigan State, and I think he's fully embraced that. But Ted Gilmore also said that he's still picking up on the system. So with that said, he still is a transfer. This is a new system for him. But also, he's experienced. I'm sure he'll learn quick. I, any way you slice it, it's going to be hard for me not to get excited about Daniel Barker in the tight end position. Now, back to Malik Carr. 
fascinating prospect right here. Uh, you know, I had glimpses last season, no doubt about that. But Ted Gilmore really gave a nod to Malik Carr, uh, saying he is, quote, 100% better as a blocker because it's something that he has to do in order to get playing time. And Gilmore today at media availability really lauded Carr for buying into this offseason. Not to say, you know, he was a lackadaisical kid or anything like that, but he had a lot going on. I, I think, A, he thought he was more of a receiver type. No doubt about that. And also, too, well, basketball. Like, he, you know, was on the basketball team for a little bit here and there. And Gilmore alluded to it a little bit today that he's getting more serious about not just football, focusing 100% on that, but also where he fits on the football field, that being tight end, that including a lot of blocking. So it looks like we have a real dialed-in Malik Carr going into this season. And you still have Tyler Hunt, too, who is certainly going to have a role in this offense. Uh, and Tyler Hunt also, let's talk about the other side of the field, defensive end. When he was speaking with the media, uh, he gave a nod to Chris Bogle and Jeff Petrowski as the two defensive ends right now who are giving Michigan State's tight ends the most trouble coming off the edge. So... That's good to hear because, well, those are your two starters right there, Bogle and Petrowski. So the fact that they're already killing it in the offseason, that, that bodes well right there. And also, I found this very entertaining. So I'm just going to throw this little quip out there from Tyler Hunt. Said, quote, he put on some bad weight recovering from offseason surgery and added that one of his favorite meals was a 10-piece chicken nugget covered in mac and cheese with buffalo sauce from Chick-fil-A. Quote, it's a pretty good combo. I'd recommend it. That... Sounds delightful. No question about it. But also with that said, he said he uh, got up there in weight. He was around like 250, 255. And then Gilmore says he wants him down around like 245. So got uh, less than four weeks to, to trim up there, uh, Tyler Hunt. I don't have any doubt that he will. But yeah, the most Big Ten player of all time, Tyler Hunt. Former punter. Turned into a tight end. Just housing housing Chick-fil-A in the offseason. Absolutely love to see that. So, uh, And speaking of big guys, let's talk about the offensive line really quick. Quick, Coach Kapilovic spoke on a lot today because there's a, well, a lot of eyes on the offensive line going into this year. And last week for the first practice of the season, Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports pointed out that it was Jarrett Horst, J.D. Duplain, Nick Samak, Matt Carrick, and Spencer Brown as your starting five offensive linemen, at least in practice. So that left out transfer Brian Green from Washington State. And, you know, Coach Cap really echoed what a lot of us are thinking and saying is that MSU has about four guys in the interior that they're going to rotate between. So Brian Green will be getting his fair share of reps, no doubt about it. But Coach Cap also added that he wants another player or two to step up. Um, yes, he said that Jared Horson Brown, uh, you know, won the starting job at the tackles. No surprise there. But also wants Ethan Baldwin to step up, and uh, Boyd as well, if I could add him. Um, Coach Cap also says that Green, Samak, Fincher, Dallas Fincher, and Gino Vandermark can all play center or guard. So yes, when we talk about depth, a lot of eyes on Dallas Fincher, Gino Vandermark, two kids that came in with, you know, a, a decent amount of hype. You know, I'm not saying that they're thought of as the second coming here, but Definitely names that we know and can't wait to see, so we'll see how on schedule they are as fall camp progresses and the start of the season obviously kicks off. And then last but not least, uh, he did sound off on Matt Carrick. Quote, he's on a pitch count because you want to make sure you don't wear him down. So 
definitely uh, going to be a lighter offseason, or I, I shouldn't say offseason, a lighter fall camp for Matt Carrick as we lead into the season because he had that leg injury that put him in uh, some crazy robotic-looking apparatus. So, yeah, hey, it's awesome he's back. He's starting, but Coach Cap knows to not treat him with kids' gloves, but really don't beat him too far into the ground. So there you have it there. Uh, yeah, big season coming up for the offensive line. No doubt about that. And also a big season coming up for the running backs. And Coach Cap had one quick thing to say about Jarek Broussard. Quote, I don't know if I should say this, but he's like a mouse. Uh, talking about how much he can scurry into tight spaces. How he can, uh, I mean, that pretty much says it all, right? I think he compared it to how a mouse slides under a door. He could slide through the smallest of holes to make something out of nothing. So, Jarek Broussard standing at five foot nine, one eighty-five. So, yeah, undersized, relatively speaking, to a football field. Like when he's between the tackles, he looks undersized. But yeah, it's not like he's going to be a Kentucky Derby jockey by any means. Like he is still five nine, one eighty-five with a lot of muscle on him. So yeah, it's a good little dynamic they have there with Jarek Broussard, Jalen Berger. And then whoever the third, maybe fourth running back is going to be behind those guys there. So that's the uh, the quotes and happenings from media availability today. Shout out to all the beat writers that uh, tweeted everything out. Uh, you guys are the greatest. So, and speaking of greatest, we will actually be speaking with Stephen Brooks here at the end of this week to preview the offense. That's right. That's how we'll start next week with an offensive breakdown, just like how we did the defensive breakdown yesterday. So there you have it. We're going to crack open the mailbag really quickly here in a hot second, but uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you just got to pay a slight bill. And also on the podcast, you just got to pay a bill, so let's do that now. It's mailbag time, and you probably already know where to find us at, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, concerns, your winning bets if you have any as we go into the season. And uh, Brock reached out and wanted to know more about John Borovich. Yes, he is the new director of recruiting for Michigan State. And he writes, I know this may be old news at this point, but what can you tell us about the new director of recruiting, John Borovich, that Izzo hired? I don't really know anything about him other than that he's a former grad assistant for MSU. Anyways, just wanted your thoughts and insight on the hire. Is it good? Is it bad? Or the other? Um, I don't have an opinion whether it's good or bad. I, I think it's fine. You know, It is what it is. Now, this role has been filled because Mike Garland retired in the season. And Mike Garland, I forgot his role. I think it was like special assistant to the head coach or something like that. It was a non-bench position. So Michigan State had the spot open to hire whoever they want for really whatever role they wanted. And they created this director of recruiting role. And that is the role that Mr. Borovich finds himself in. And just like Brock pointed out, yes, he is a former grad assistant for Izzo from 2001 to 2003, and ever since then, you know, he's worked for Oakland, uh, Dayton, Northwestern is his most recent stop. And so guys that, you know, Tom Izzo is familiar with, you know, Greg Campy, uh, Chris Collins down on Northwestern. So that is uh, how he finds his way here. Now, what the director of recruiting role is, yeah, of course, you know, like Izzo's still going to recruit. You know, the assistant coaches are still going to recruit, but this is more in the weeds work. Finding guys, analyzing their film. I mean, I'm sure he's pouring over all sorts of AAU camps, all sorts of high school tournaments to, like, locate guys, really dissect them, maybe break out film packages to show to the coaches to let them know, like, hey, let's focus on this guy, this guy, maybe this guy in the end. And then also, it's going to be a nice liaison between the recruit, his family, and the coaching staff. 
like yes, it, it, there is a lot more availability between recruits and basketball coaching staffs than there would be for you know perhaps football because it's just smaller amount of players, more availability. But in the end, he will be the point person for a lot of these guys' families. So almost uh, like the first face you see in the program, like the, the secretary to the office for the players, if you will, he will uh, connect, be, be the connection between Izzo and a lot of these guys. So that's really the role right there. I'm sure he will um, have some impact like during practice, if you will. It's not going to be just recruiting. I'm sure this guy's a good basketball mind. So uh, he'll be in a lot of these meetings. And so that, that's what it is right there. It's, it's a not going to be a bench role. But, yeah, I think it's an interesting uh, development that they are hiring a director of recruiting and calling it that. And I think more programs are starting to do that here, um, yeah, as we move forward. Because, well, recruiting is the lifeblood of college sports, as we all know. Uh, question number two, this one comes from Zach. And he writes in, big fan of the show. Not sure if you have gotten to this question yet. But what is the biggest what if in Michigan State basketball and football history? And then he writes uh, the correct answers, actually. Uh, in my opinion, for football, it would be uh, if we have beaten Notre Dame in 2013 and played Florida State in the national championship game. That's the no-brainer for football. That That's first place. And then for basketball, if Cassius and Xavier Tillman got to play in the NCAA tournament one more final time in 2020. Again, these are all opinion-based questions, but I think those are just factually the correct answers. But... I, I got some, some like, second and third place ideas here. I'm not just going <laughs> to read that question and then stop talking. No, you guys know me. I love to talk, especially about Michigan State. So let's start with football. And this is a very recent one. What if Fickle said yes? What if Luke Fickle indeed did take this job at Michigan State? Would Michigan State be coming off of 11-win year? Would they have this heavy of emphasis in the transfer portal. How would recruiting look? And also, I mean, let's not just think about us right now. Let's not just think about us Michigan State fans. Does that change anything like globally in college football when it comes to contracts? Because Mel Tucker gets white hot last year. Okay, that, that LSU job is open. All right, oh, they're going to target Mel Tucker. Well, that hikes up the price to a $95 million contract over 10 years the kind of contract that you'd only get if you were very recently in a national championship game. Not if not if you were hoping to get to that level like Mel Tucker just got. So that really changes the paradigm of contracts at the college level. So that's it right there. Not just for us in East Lansing wondering where the program's at right now if Luke Fickle says yes, but wow, like is, is Brian Kelly getting that contract down at LSU? Are future coaches going to be getting the contracts? They will. I, I don't know. So fascinating right there. Uh, number two is, you know, the 2015 season has some good what-ifs, for better or for worse. Like, you know, the Nebraska game. Uh, Michigan State loses, controversial call, but still makes a college football playoff. Does that change the seeding if Michigan State instead goes undefeated? You know, they're in that two-versus-three game. I don't necessarily think that they would jump to that number one spot over Clemson, but here's this. Let's not talk about a game that happened on East Lansing soil or Big Ten soil at all, but what if Ole Miss stops Arkansas on 4th and 25 in overtime during the regular season? Now, why am I pulling that out of my hat? It's because if Ole Miss, in overtime, facing 4th and 25 against Arkansas, if they got a stop and got off the field... 
Ole Miss is that team that's representing their division in the SEC championship game. Alabama doesn't go to the SEC championship game. They don't win the, the SEC championship game. Do, do they still make it as a 11-1 team? Sure, they might, but they might make it as a four seed. So that means it would be two versus three, Michigan State versus Oklahoma. I'm not saying Michigan State wins that game, but that's the what if. Like, what if that happened? What if Arkansas didn't convert fourth and 25 and then scored a touchdown and then scored a two-point conversion to beat Ole Miss, putting Ole Miss in second place in their own division, thus having Alabama go to the SEC title game, take that two versus three game in Dallas that, um, I don't know if you guys remembered, didn't go well at all right there. And the number three uh, what if that I just jotted down and I always jot this down, what if Jim Harbaugh didn't send two gunners out in 2015? What if he had those guys inside to help protect Blake O'Neill from getting pummeled by clearly a Spartan contingent of 10 people trying to block the punt instead of just sending two gunners out to attack no returner? So I don't know. That's a thank you for your service right there, Jim Harbaugh. A great memory that I will always hold on to forever. Now for basketball... Look, no shortage of what-ifs right here. Again, for better or for worse. Uh, Like, what if, for example, down in Cincinnati, back in the year of our Lord 2000, what if National Player of the Year Kenyon Martin didn't break his leg before their conference tournament? Cincinnati was rolling. He was the best player in the nation. Does that affect Michigan State's run to a national title? Would they have ever met Cincinnati to begin with in the national title run? Or would it be a completely different seeding all around? So... There you have it right there. Number two, look, there's a lot of recruiting misses at Michigan State. Some of them inconsequential, like the Vernon Carey one, for example. I don't really think that mattered. They won the Big Ten anyway. Tournament was canceled. I don't lose a lot of sleep on that. But if you go back, what if Jabari Parker picked Michigan State? The team was loaded already, right? Like they had Adrian Payne. They had Brandon Dawson, Gary Harris. uh, They had all sorts of names. You add Jabari Parker to that mix, though. Does that help take Michigan State to the Final Four, to the national title game? Or does it screw with the chemistry at all? You, that's less minutes for Brandon Dawson. I, so that's another what-if right there that I always love to look back on. Uh, and then also, let's end this episode on a high note right here. There we go. We're going to talk about the 2016 Tournament, uh, that's the Middle Tennessee State game for those that don't remember that year. And what is simply, what if Michigan State gets a one seed in 2016? They just won nine straight games. They won the Big Ten tournament. They were doing pretty well in a packed Big Ten. And with five losses, Michigan State gets a number two seed. And then Virginia, who didn't win the ACC regular season or tournament with seven losses, gets the number one seed. What if that's flip-flopped? Tell you what, Michigan State's not playing Middle Tennessee State, and I don't wake up in the middle of the night screaming Giddy Potts' name constantly uh, throughout my life. So there you have it. High note to end that show on right there. We will be back tomorrow. Hey, we could have some good recruitment news for Michigan State. Cohen Carr is announcing his commitment. Where will it be? Who knows? Well, we'll stay tuned to find out. So, yeah, no, we will be back tomorrow with uh, hopefully... Some good news right there. And thank you guys so much for making Locked on Spartans your first listen every single day. Now go check out go check out Locked on Big Ten with our guy Nate Dickinson, breaking the ins and outs of the conference as we charge into football season. Just like this show, free and available on all platforms. You guys are the best. Love you all. Go have a great day. Go Green.